the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning to you, seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on this Monday. It is the second morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And you're right, President Reagan, we are Americans, and we are glad that the American team lost. That's right. We are glad the American team lost. And if that sounds un-American, then you just don't understand. And I'll explain it to you in just a moment. Thanks so much for being with us on this broadcast. If you were wondering why you're hearing my voice live on this uh uh, this Monday morning, because I told you on Friday that we were going to have a guest host today. A little bit of a schedule change, goofy stuff that I had to adjust to on the fly. And uh, I'm in. Uh, tomorrow we will have, we'll have a guest host on the program. Khalid Noir will be with you tomorrow to take you through your Tuesday, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. I talked to him yesterday. I know what he's got planned. It's going to be great. Uh, so good to have you aboard. Coming up on the program today, 948, we will talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday. So we are on schedule for that. And what do you say, speaking of the schedule, we start with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. Face your flag if you have one. Whether you do or you don't, please put your hand on your heart. Do not make an X signed a sign like one of the American Olympians did on her silver medal podium, signifying what she called the intersection of oppressed people in America. Yes, America, this oppressive land. Liberals, you don't have to stand. We don't expect you to put your hand on your heart nor pledge your allegiance to this great country, but it's okay. We'll do it for you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
Yes, indeed. I don't know if you saw that or not, but some uh, Olympic shot putter, a female shot putter, um, decided to do the first political protest on a metal stand. Yes, an American shot putter. She put her hands over her head and made a big X, which she says stands for the intersection of all the oppressed people in America. Because America is such a terribly oppressive place. You know that. You've always known that, or at least you've known it for the past several years since the U.S. women's national soccer team has made it a part of their, um, you know, part of their existence, a part of their branding. That they hate this oppressive racist country, its anthem, its flag, and beyond. This is what we've known. Which is why so many of us did not want them to represent us at the United States, or excuse me, at the Olympics, representing the United States. Many of us have pleaded, not that we have an in or have the ear of the USOC, that's the United States Olympic Committee, we don't, um, but many of us have just kind of said, I wish the Olympic Committee uh, would ban anti-American athletes who protest or plan to protest if they win medals, ban them from international competition. Why let them embarrass us on the world stage? I don't care if you're a shot putter. I don't care if you're one of those BMX riders who's transgender, a guy, a guy i believe who's riding as a girl i don't remember which direction it went it doesn't matter because whoever it was this person said they were going to stand on the uh, go to the medal stand and uh, burn the american flag if they got a medal at the olympics gwen barry the olympic hammer thrower who turned her back on the american flag while the anthem was playing uh during the u.s olympic trials putting a, a black T-shirt over her head that said activist athlete, turned around and pouted and basically, with her body language, flipped off the American flag. We don't want these people like that in the Olympics. So it brings us now to the, uh, the big news of the morning as it pertains to that. And you know I haven't been covering the Olympics because I haven't been watching the Olympics. But um, you cannot help but see, and I cannot help but see, the news stories of the day. And one of the big news stories of the day was, indeed, the U.S. Women's Olympic soccer team. They apparently played our neighbors to the north, sometimes lovingly referred to as America's hat. Others refer to it as America's attic. It's kind of where we store a bunch of stuff that we don't need anymore, and we'll go up there and take it if we need to, but we don't really have to because it's just, you know, it's just a place to store stuff that we don't want. Uh, otherwise known as Canada. Canada and the U.S. in a women's quarterfinal or semifinal event. Again, I don't know. I didn't. I don't watch it. I don't care other than what I'm telling you about right now. At any rate, the U.S. women uh, have been knocked out of the a chance for a gold medal. They lost one to nothing to America's Attic. And I have to tell you, I am very, very, very proud and patriotic to tell you that I absolutely loved every second of learning that. As a matter of fact, to the Canadian women's team, I would like to offer... Can you dig it? My highest praise. That's the highest praise. If you get a can you dig it on this show, you did something outstanding. Thank you to the uh, uh, Canadian Olympic team. For beating the, the American women. Now, I know what the left says because the left backs the woke American uh, women's soccer team. The left loves their wokeness, their politics, their BLM support, their trans support, their uh, America is oppressive uh, uh, messaging. America is not free. America is evil. America's anthem is something that we should all despise. All of that crap we get from this team full of kneelers. 
and I think they all do it except for maybe one or two Patriots on that team brave enough to stand up and and, uh, put their hand over their heart for the American National Anthem. But unfortunately, they are in the minority, and it is the official designation of the U.S. women's team, the U.S. uh, national soccer program, that they support their protesters. Not they don't support the uh, the Patriots, the one or two who stand for the anthem, telling the others you must join them. Rather, they tell the U.S. women that if you if you want to protest our nation, even on the world stage, to the rest of the uh, the nations you're competing against, go right ahead. So to, the left hates when we celebrate the loss of the or a loss by the U.S. Olympic women's team, and they say we are not patriotic because that's Team USA out there. That's Team USA. And if you don't support Team USA, then you can't claim you're a patriot. If you don't support Team USA, you support the rest of the world, and you're the one who doesn't support, uh, you know, the United States. And I and I just want to, I just want to do it as mathematical as possible. You know that in mathematics, a negative plus a negative can equal a positive, right? You do understand that a negative plus a negative can equal a positive. So guess what? Um, if the America haters. Let me rephrase. If I hate, which is a negative thing, those who hate America, another negative thing, then it shows how much I love America, which is a positive team. The reality is that American citizens and sports fans in particular who root against people who hate this country are in effect showing their love and support of country. Because if you if you hate this great beacon of liberty, this this home for the downtrodden and the oppressed, the place where the downtrodden and the oppressed are lifted up and given opportunities that they cannot find anywhere else in the world. If you hate this country and actually consider it the opposite, consider it to be oppressive, consider it to be racist, then I'm going to root for you to lose at every turn because you hate a great, great nation made with wonderful, wonderful, uh, patriotic people who provide opportunities for people of all colors, all shapes, all sexes, all the rest, more so than any other nation in the world. So the U.S. women's team lost, and patriots should celebrate that. Why? Because now, and deep down, I put this on Facebook this morning too, deep down, I guarantee you, Megan Rapino and the rest of the America haters on that team are glad they lost deep down. You want to know why? Because now the best they can do is, is bronze. They have one more game to play, and if they win it, they, they can get the bronze. And that's a good thing for them because they don't play the national anthem for the bronze medal winner. They don't play the national anthem for the silver medal winner. They only play the national anthem for the gold medal team or the gold medal winner in an individual event. So deep down, Megan Rapinoe is probably glad they lost. Now there's no chance they'll get the gold medal, and then they won't have to listen to that horrible, racist national anthem being played while they kneel on the gold medal stand representing a country whose colors and whose flag adorns their uniforms that they hate so much. So the U.S. women's Olympic soccer team is done, at least in terms of chance of winning a gold medal, and I could not be happier. 
Now all that's left is for the other America protesters who would embarrass us on the world stage to also lose. Gwen Berry, I hope you throw that hammer two feet and are disqualified. Um, to the skateboarder, the trans skateboarder, who said they're going to burn the uh, burn the American flag if they make it to the middle podium, I hope your bike gets a flat tire. I hope, <laughs> I, I want every America hater to fail, period, point blank, because I love America and I don't want us embarrassed on the world stage. All right, that's how I wanted to start it, but we will pick it up in just a moment. Uh, after our timeout, we're going to talk about this massive, massive 2,700-page bipartisan-supported infrastructure bill. That's right. 2,700 pages that not one member of the United States Senate will be able to read before being told you have to vote on it now. This is just embarrassing. This is just horrific, quite frankly. We'll talk about that coming up after this on AM 1420 The Okay, 922. Thanks so much for joining us. We uh, hope to uh, uh, hear from you today. We've got plenty of time for your phone calls at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Callers are saying a negative times a negative is a positive. Two callers called to correct that. A negative times a negative. I think I said a negative plus a negative. So thank you. Appreciate the clarification. Uh, the point being, though, however, if I am negative toward those who are negative toward my country, it is proof that I am positive toward my country. And I want everybody to make sure that they understand that. It is okay to criticize the U.S. women's Olympic soccer team. It is okay to criticize Gwen Berry, the hammer thrower. Uh, it is okay to criticize anybody who says they want to embarrass the U.S. on the world stage by protesting uh, at the Olympics on the, on the uh, medal stand. Okay, uh, this is even more embarrassing and more important than silly games. The infrastructure bill that 17 Republicans agreed to make bipartisan to support when it was introduced is 2,700 pages long, which is impossible to have been written in the few days since the Republicans did indeed announce they would support this. 17 of them. Breitbart News reporting. The new $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill contains billions of dollars to upgrade border crossings. Let's make sure you heard that. Upgrade border crossings, but no money at all for the southern border wall, which would, of course, hinder border crossing. Joe Biden abandoned that a long time ago and, in fact, has been spending millions of your taxpayer dollars not constructing the wall. That's right. Literally, it is costing us money to not finish the wall. And the ongoing surge of illegal immigrants into this country that they want to eventually make voters, and I'll tell you a story about that in a few, uh, continues. But this massive 2,700-page infrastructure draft bill was obtained by Breitbart and published last night exclusively on Breitbart. The proposed deal allocates $3.4 billion dollars for construction and acquisition and repairs and alterations of border stations and land ports of entry. $2.5 billion for projects on the U.S. Customs and Border Protection five-year plan. Uh, in addition, the infrastructure deal allocates hundreds of millions of dollars to U.S. Customs and Border Protection under the Department of Homeland Security. Um, 
Republicans have said that the estimated cost of not building the border wall has been about $2 billion. Again, I mentioned that. They're literally spending our money to not finish the border wall. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee told Breitbart News Sunday yesterday that uh, Republicans could try to amend the infrastructure bill to make the inclusion of a border wall a condition for passage, along with priorities like the Keystone XL pipeline. But the odds are very strong that they'll get nowhere because 17 of them have already pledged to support this thing. Number one, and number two, and perhaps most importantly, um, this bill isn't going to be read. Nobody's going to know what what's in it. They found what what has what has been revealed is that the text of this draft of this bill, twenty seven hundred pages long, obtained exclusively by Breitbart, has been being worked on for weeks outside of the normal legislative process. That's the reality. This plan is far more sprawling and expansive than GOP senators who backed it, the 17 who backed it without even reading it, knowing it existed, led their constituents to believe. Sources familiar with the drafting of this bill told Breitbart it was being written in secret for months. I'm sorry, I said weeks. I apologize. Months. Outside of the normal legislative process, which is supposed to happen in relevant committees of jurisdiction, these sources made an unauthorized leak of the draft available to Breitbart News out of concern that the murky and secretive process behind the bill have led to widespread corruption throughout its nearly 3,000 pages. You should see this thing when it's stacked up, all all 2,700 pages. The bipartisan infrastructure bill contains many provisions that would aim to revitalize America's roads, bridges, and highways, as well as climate change carve-outs, including funding for zero-emission vehicles. Notably, the bill also contains a large carve-out for an Alaska highway that would benefit Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski, whose vote they are counting on. The bill also contains funding for high-priority corridors in the national highway system, including Route 421 from the uh, interchange with uh, I-85 in Greensboro, North Carolina. That would benefit Tom Tillis, another Republican. So in other words, you have Republican, and Richard Burr also from North Carolina, um, you have a lot of Republicans who are willing to pass a 2,700-bill nightmare, 2,700-page bill, rather, nightmare, as long as they get a couple of bucks for their constituents and keep them happy so that they can continue to get reelected. This is the problem with Washington. They know full well that this bill is uh, inappropriate, and the fact that it's 2,700 pages long and has been written over the course of months before anybody could even have a look at it means it's essentially being done, You know, when they say outside of legislative norms, that means illegally. It's not the way it's supposed to be done. But they're willing to let it happen, and they're willing to sell out the general population in order to get keep their voters happy, in order to get a couple of more votes for re-election. If you look at the specific things that were carved out in these uh, uh, particular states in which Republican support was required. The 2,700-page bill also contains provisions that would help Senator Bill Cassidy, state of Louisiana, another GOP negotiator on the bipartisan bill, Grants uh, funding of high pro- uh, high priority corridor that goes through his state, and on and on it goes. The bill also requires the CBO, that's the budget office, to conduct a study on the enhanced employment benefits that came from the Democrats' one point nine trillion dollar coronavirus aid bill, known as the America Rescue Plan. The legislation also requires the Secretary of Energy to study the projected job losses and impacts from the Biden administration's cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. And before you say, wait, Bob, that's a good thing, right? 
No, it doesn't require any action. It just says that they have to study it. And then they're going to say, we studied it, and Biden's word stands. We kill the Keystone XL. Chuck Schumer said the infrastructure would be finished in, quote, a matter of days. Now that the Senate advanced the legislative vehicle for the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Senate could focus this upcoming week on the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill. Uh, Steny Hoyer of Maryland said he expects the recess, the August recess, to be shortened so the House can come back to work on the infrastructure bill. Nancy Pelosi said she'll bring the bipartisan bill for a vote unless it comes uh, with a $3.5 trillion reconciliation. Oh, let me say that again. Nancy Pelosi said she will bring the bipartisan bill for a vote unless it also comes with a $3.5 trillion reconciliation infrastructure bill. And I think they had a typo there. That means she would not bring it unless it comes with that uh, $3.5 trillion. Because that's what the far left wing wants. That's what you have heard from Bernie Sanders. You've heard from AOC. You've heard from the rest of the Democrat socialists. They want that $3.5 trillion reconciliation infrastructure bill that essentially starts the Green New Deal. Or else they want nothing. They will not support it. So an update, by the way, uh, late last night, Senate proponents of this uh, proposal released the final text of the legislation after Breitbart News' publication. And the final text is almost exactly the same as the near final draft. Uh, The final bill is only one page longer at 2,702 pages. So we know this was an accurate source that provided all of this to Breitbart. And now you know that the Republicans in the Senate, 17 of them, have decided for the purposes of their own re-election campaigns with little carve-outs in this massive bill to sell out the American economy, to sell out the American debt, the national debt, to increase it even further, and to give Democrats this massive legislative win, uh, so much of which has nothing to do with infrastructure. Just so you know. And we will make all 17 of those Republicans famous, and any of them that vote for this 2,700-page unread monstrosity as well. All right, 216-901-0945. Take a time out for news. Come right back, AM 1420, The Answer. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 936. We continue. Let's pivot to this. I'll come to your calls in a second, but let's pivot to this real quick. Let's get this in. A tale of two governors, a tale of two different styles, a tale of... Quite frankly, two different belief systems. Uh, and it's a shame because I used to think both of these governors were outstanding. One of them seems to be heading in the wrong direction. Let's start with the good news, the plus side. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, when it comes to the idea of mandates, is all in, in opposition to them. Ron DeSantis has signed an executive order making masking in schools optional. Not the option of the school, but the option of the kid and the parents optional and, and that's that's exactly what it needs to be not not optional for the district to say we as a district are saying everybody has to wear masks or not but that individuals can make their own call 
DeSantis said in a statement on Friday heading into the weekend, quote, the federal government has no right to tell parents that in order for their kids to attend school in person, they must be forced to wear a mask all day, every day. Many Florida school children have suffered under forced masking policies, and it's and it is prudent to protect the ability of parents to make decisions regarding the wearing of masks by their children. So his executive order is that nobody is forced to wear a mask when they go back to school this month. Probably about, what, two weeks away or so from going back in? Two and a half for some? I think some schools still start after Labor Day, but whatever. Uh, you understand the point. So that's the good news. That's the, that's the good governor side. Then the other, the other side of the story is I don't know what's happened to Christy Nome lately. But Governor Christy Nome in South Dakota, who many people, myself included, uh, have been touting as a potential 2024 candidate. And again, this is all you know, relative to whether or not Donald Trump runs for president again. But if the GOP is looking for a new face, hers is one that was and I think probably still will be strongly considered. But she continues to hiccup a little bit and make conservatives a little bit nervous. Now, this one isn't about mask mandates. It's a different story to a degree, but it's about mandates because of COVID. Big government control, whether it be mask mandates like DeSantis spoke of or vaccine mandates, employer vaccine mandates. And that's where we find the Christy Nome story. South Dakota Republican Governor Christy Nome facing backlash over the weekend after she essentially told residents of her state, if you did not want to be mandated by your employer to take a vaccine, find another job. Quote on Twitter, this is what Christy Nome wrote, quote, workers whose employers are mandating a vaccine for continued employment have the power to say no. Our robust economy and job market gives them the option to find a new employer that values personal choice and responsibility and doesn't force mandates on their employees, end quote. Now, Christy Nome is pretty smooth. She found a way to make this sound palatable. She found a way to make it sound like you as the employee do have the power here, not your employer. They can't mandate that you take this vaccine because you can just say, well, then I quit. (laughs) As if that solves the problem. It doesn't. As the governor of that state, as a conservative governor of that state, as somebody who opposes vaccine mandates, why isn't she tweeting any employer in our state who tries to force their employees to get vaccinated in order to keep their jobs, um, this will not be allowed. This will not be tolerated. Personal choice should be up to the employee, not up to the employer. And telling the employee the only way you can uh, avoid this is if you go quit your job and find another one somewhere else. It shouldn't come to that. Now, this comes after Christy, this tweet from Christy Nome comes after she hit a lot of conservatives the wrong way with the way she handled uh, uh, girls participating or having to compete against biological males in sports in South Dakota. She opposed extending what was supposed to be a ban on boys, biological boys competing as girls because they described themselves as being, being transgendered, extending it from K through 12, which it is in her state, to the collegiate level as well she opposed extending it to the collegiate level basically claiming she doesn't have enough support to stop it there because the ncaa makes the rules but that bothered a lot of conservatives and so did um a shot that she took at cpac last month at the aforementioned ron desantis 
Some may say this is kind of just two potential 2024 Republican primary candidates getting an early start against one another because they're both very, very popular. But she took a shot at uh, Ron DeSantis that I found, quite frankly, uh, to be very distasteful. And now this one. Now this one. Here's some of the reactions. Jesse Kelly. Red states must use their power to shield people from the system. As we've lost every other cultural institution, states are quite literally all we have left to protect us. And Christy Nome has the political instincts of a gerbil. A gerbil. Joe Sneave, reporter, don't like your employer's vaccine rules? Nome says, then find a new job. Harmeet Dillon said, an attorney, the state also has the power to make vaccination status a protected employment category. That would be a bold move. That's right, it would be. Mike Cernovich, you're a coward and a failure to Christy Nome. Grifters who are awestruck by Z-list talent will tell you otherwise, but you are a joke. Uh, Will Chamberlain, you're the governor of your state. If you don't intend to protect your citizens, then resign or let somebody else and let somebody else do the job. And one more from Steve Dace. Nome has now failed two major tests: protecting femininity over uh, from the rainbow jihad, and protecting workers from corporate fascism. What do these two issues have in common? She sided with business interests over individual freedoms. True liberty opposes tyranny, regardless of sector. And the last one, John Cardillo, political commentator and a frequent guest on this show. We dodged a massive bullet with Christy Noem. Thankfully, she outed herself as another of Chamber of Commerce cuck early enough in the game. So there you go. Ron DeSantis still doing it right. Christy Noem somehow, some way, falling apart, at least when it comes to her... Um, conservative uh, uh, bona fides. Let's go to Charlie and Westlake real quick before we take a time out for Jim Jordan. Charlie, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, last, last night I'm watching C-SPAN or YouTube. I'm not sure. But uh, Senator Bennett's up there and railing against this infrastructure. And I was, it put me, why is Portman, who's retiring, who's always been a rhino, who brought us Gay marriage, he, you know, a week before the Supreme Court makes a decision, he says he's for gay marriage because his son's gay. I mean, he really hurt our country. And he, everyone knows Trump's whole thing was infrastructure. And as soon as he comes back, it's going to be infrastructure. We can wait three years for some lead pipes and airports. We can, why, is, why are these rhinos, Mitt Romney, why are we even listening to him? You know, we, we've had so many... Milk toast senators here in Ohio. I mean, I love George Voinovich, but he was milk toast. What, what did he ever accomplish as a U.S. senator, or DeWine as a senator, or or Portman? I mean, these guys are all milk toast. We need a conservative senator like Josh Mandel or somebody that's really rock solid conservative. Well, I don't disagree. And the sad thing is, though, you know, we can do our jobs here, Charlie, and thank you for the call. We can do our jobs and elect a true conservative from this field of. Um, you know, Republicans in this primary, we can elect a true conservative, but obviously it's going to be up to a lot of other states to eject their rhinos, their squishes, uh, their milk toasts, as you call them as well, because they're the ones who are going to be responsible for this uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill that so much of which is not about infrastructure. Thank you, my friend, for the phone call. We'll talk more after we talk to Jim Jordan, who's next. AM 1420, The Answer.
948, let's continue on AM 1420. The answer, if you're on hold, stay there for me. I'll come to you as quickly as I can. If you're not on hold, you should get there because I will come to you as quickly as I can. 216-901-0945. But joining us now uh, and on hold is Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, he is, of course, our 4th Congressional District Representative here in Ohio, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm just trying to figure out when. When's the last time you read a 2,700 page book, and and uh, how long did it take? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes a while. I read that. I read that. Uh, well, it wasn't even 2,700 pages. That, that book on Churchill took me a long time because I put it down some. And, but um, no, uh, yeah, this is this is the way they operate, though. Spend a bunch of money. Don't give anyone time to figure it out. We already know on some, on the front end that it's probably bad. My guess is this bill is probably pretty darn bad. Uh, may have some bi- some quote bipartisan support in the Senate, but I don't think it's got much bipartisan support in the House. Well, I, I'm trying to figure out why it has any bipartisan support in the Senate for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is the fact that they are just now revealing, thanks to Breitbart doing some digging, that it's 2,700 pages long that has not been written in the last few days since that those 17 Republicans have said, yeah, we'll go for this, or to at least bring it to the, bring it to the floor of the Senate for, for discussion and debate before a vote. Um, but it's been revealed that this has been being worked on for months outside of the normal legislative process, which tells me, that of course they're not interested in transparency. That they've been doing this thing in secret. They've never been interested in transparency. I mean, we we, we can never forget the you know what was it ten years ago now eleven years ago. Uh, you know we're going you got to read the bill to know what's in it. Uh, Pelosi's comments. So this is where the Democrats operate. As long as they're spending a bunch of money. And here's the other thing: they're going to spend a trillion dollars on quote infrastructure, and then the Democrats are promising, oh, but we're still going to come with a several more trillion dollar spending package. On the other, quote, infrastructure, the stuff they define as infrastructure, which is everything else, too, um, what, are these, are these Republicans just getting played in the Senate? So we're going to spend $4 trillion more dollars with the prices of everything already going up? Every good and service, the price has been, it's been climbing like crazy, which is a tax on families. So this is how crazy it all is. But, um, again, you, you know, that's the Democrats. They do crazy policies. They don't have any, um, any sound policies, it seems to me. Everything is just... Spend, 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 and, and driving up the price of, uh, of every good and service for the American people. No question about it. And so this is going on in the Senate, and it's, uh, it, to me it's, it's, it's dangerous, quite frankly. I, mean, I mentioned, you know, I jokingly said when's the last time you wrote a book that long. War and Peace is kind of the, the gold standard. Everybody says it's longer than War and Peace. War and Peace was 1,200 pages. This is more than yeah. double that, and nobody's <laughs> going to have anywhere near enough time to read it, process it, understand yeah. the details in it, and yet they're going to pass it in such a way. Let's, that's good. I mean, come on, Bob. It's just your tax money. It's just yeah, your right? tax dollars. Hey, come on. It's just American tax money. It's just the harder money that, that moms and dads and people across this country have been working to do. We're just taking it and spending it on all kinds of crazy things. And the Democrats are saying, once we get the Republicans to go for this, then we're going to do even more. Yeah, then the three and a half trillion. Right, then the three and a half trillion through the budget resolution, where they only need a simple majority or a fifty-fifty with a uh, Kamala uh, tiebreaker. So, yeah, it's just it's just insane. Let's go to your house now, or your chamber anyway, which is the House. I got to ask you about the the select committee from what you have seen thus far, and in particular, news headlines all over the place the last seventy two hours say Jim Jordan should probably expect a subpoena from the January sixth panel. 
And this is in response to what they are describing as your refusal to be clear on whether or not you spoke with Donald Trump on the day of the Capitol breach. I refuse to use their words, the ridiculous insurrection words. That's theirs. Refusal to be clear. I, 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 that's been, that story's been out there like a month ago. I talked to the president uh, on January 6th. I talked to the president all the time. I talked with him last week. Uh, I, during his four years in office, I talked to him all the time. And I continue to talk to the president because, as, as you know, uh, President Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. Um, and, uh, you know, he was he did an event just a month ago here in our great state where I think about 40,000 people showed up. So, of course, I talked with, with the president. Now, whether they'll subpoena me or not, who knows? I mean, with Democrats, like I said, they, they do all kinds of crazy things. Um, but I tell you what, Bob. If they cross this, it would be unprecedented. If they cross this bridge, they need to remember that I got all kinds of colleagues who've come up to me as the guy who gets to be the, the, the you know, has the privilege of being the top guy on the, on the Republican on the Judiciary Committee. I got all kinds of colleagues who come up to me and say, "Hey, when when do we get a chance then to, to talk to Eric Swalwell? When do we get a question Eric Swalwell about his relationship with the Chinese spy? When do we get to talk to Adam Schiff?" about the fact that he told the American people his office had no contact with the, quote, whistleblower, the anonymous whistleblower, back during impeachment round one. Uh, and then, of course, we, we, we come to figure out and find out that, oh, he did have, he was lying to the American people. When do we get to talk to Adam Schiff about that? So, um, Well, you know the answer a, to that it, question, though. You know the answer to that question is not until early 2023, at the earliest. Right, and that's right, if you take back the right. majority and get the, these committee uh, chairs, um, right. you know, in 2022. Yeah, no, you're right, but um, I think we're going to take it back, Bob. I really do. You go I do, too, to, but I'm just saying there's a lot of months between now and then for them to do a lot of damage, which I'm wondering what damage do they intend to cause by by subpoenaing you for this committee? Um, you know, again, <laughs> and, and here's, here's MSNBC's description of this whole thing. After ducking the question, I guess they're talking about your conversation with Brett Baer. After ducking the question multiple times, Jim Jordan admitted Tuesday on Fox that he did speak to then-President Donald Trump on January 6th, but he refused to disclose what they discussed um is is that accurate and, and, and can you talk about what you discussed or is it confidential no i i i just i have never i never talk about specific conversation i have with the president i think i think that's out of respect for that office for the presidency for for uh you know this is this is the commander-in-chief of the country this is this is the top office in our lens the head of the executive branch i have always had that policy i don't discuss private conversations particularly with the president of the united states i i don't i don't walk out of conference when we're which, when Republicans are meet behind closed doors like so many of my colleagues do, I don't walk out and just spill to the press what took place in a in a in in the Republican conference meeting where all all House Republicans get together. So I've just always had that as a policy. I think that is the right way to approach the office of the presidency. Um, Democrats do the same thing. They don't disclose when they're talking the specifics about talking with 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 President Biden. But um, you know, in this day and age, it's all about getting. Republicans and Democrats doing the crazy things they're doing. Yeah. Well, uh, for, the, for the purposes of trying to head off some of these accusations that you're ducking things, and and for me, to avoid me being accused of asking you softballs like, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, which is which is the way the left, the press court treats <laughs> I don't think you've uh, ever asked Joe me Biden. that one, Bob. No, no, I never have. Uh, <laughs> but for, for, for the purposes of that, tell me if you can answer this. Can you tell me on January 6th, when you spoke to him was it before his speech was it after his speech was it during the time of the breaching of the capitol and the rioting was going on was it after all of that can you tell me like what time of the day is you know well, rel- relative this, Bob, to the I, events I, I, of yeah look i will tell you this uh early in the day frankly you know what i was doing i was getting ready for the debate i was charged with with uh 
overseeing the debate and coordinate the order of speakers and helping put together the debate on the floor for why we were going to object to several states where they changed their law, their election laws, in an unconstitutional manner. We've talked about that many times. So I was focused on that. I was not at the rally, um, and uh, I was focused on that. So I did not speak to the president then, you know, in the morning because I was focused on doing doing my job. Um, but I, 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 I'd rather not get into all the other details just because I, I just think that's out of deference to the office of the office of the presidency. But I was focused on. I mean, Leader McCarthy tasked me with both during the debate on January 6th and then a week later the debate on the impeachment to coordinate the speaking order and put together our side's uh, arguments, help put together our side's arguments for uh, dealing with the Democrats. And that's what I was doing. I, I, I understand that, and I appreciate that. Congressman, I have to ask you one more question about this whole thing. When you watched Adam Kinzinger and Adam Schiff trade tears over the, oh, my gosh, look at what the difficult situation that those police officers that were testifying had to go through there and uh, injuries that may have been suffered and so on and so forth. Did you did your mind not go where mine did, which is when did they express one single iota of concern, much less a tear on a cheek, yeah. for the hundreds yeah. and hundreds of police officers that were hospitalized during the riots in the summer and in the fall of 2020. In countless numbers of American cities, they are having bottles, yeah. frozen water bottles thrown at them, in other words, giant rocks, having uh, industrial strength lasers shined into their eyes. They're going to the hospital for blindness. I mean, they were beaten and abused in ways I didn't hear one single word of concern for cops during those riots, but suddenly on this January 6th select committee, they're going to sit up there and look at the police officers at the Capitol and say, we're so, you held, you, you, you held. I mean, they hold, because guess what? People got bored and went home. Most of them are just walking around in there and looking around and saying, oh, so this is what the Capitol looks like. Okay, we're out of here. Uh, I, I, the hypocrisy yeah. there struck me, Congressman. Did, did Your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, because remember, last summer Democrats they didn't they didn't express any outrage. They called them peaceful. I mean, they, they actually called them peaceful protesters. They raised money to bail them out of jail after they had attacked law enforcement, after they destroyed small business, after they had attacked innocent civilians. So, what happened to the Capitol Hill police on January sixth was wrong. They should have had more help there. Remember what what Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said last week on TV. He said the president offered ahead of time to have National Guard there. Speaker Pelosi's office said no. According to press accounts, she vetoed having the National Guard there before January 6th. According to press accounts, she hesitated on calling up National Guard on January 6th. So I feel for those guys who testified. I feel for all the Capitol Police. I know a lot of these guys. I talk to them every day when I'm walking around the campus there. Mm -hmm. um, they put their lives on the line like all good officers do across this great country. And, and we, we feel for them. But they should have had more help there. There should have been a better security posture there. But you're exactly right. The Democrats... Uh, they didn't they didn't express any support. In fact, what did they do? They defunded them. So here's the big problem. When you defund the police, when you talk about the police, when you say the people who attack the police are peaceful and when you raise money to bail out people who attack the police, it's kind of hard then to say, oh, by the way, we need more police here on January 6th to protect us. That was the dilemma Nancy Pelosi was in. And that's the question that should be asked, the fundamental question that should be asked. But unfortunately, that's the one question that Chairman Thompson of the, of the January 6th committee said they won't ask. And I, deep down, I think that's why Mr. Banks and I were kicked off the committee, because we started raising that fundamental question. And all of a sudden, after initial reports were, oh, yeah, the, the Democrats are fine with these selections made by Leader McCarthy, then all of a sudden, shazam, they changed. And I think they changed because I started raising that question. 
Because yeah, that's the I, fundamental question that the, that the police officers are entitled to have an answer to. I think it's twofold the reason you were kicked off the committee. One is what you just said, and the other is because I think they've always intended to try to subpoena you and embarrass you and to try to take a bite out of you because you've been very effective at defending the president and the Constitution. Uh, that's just my view. Congressman, last thing for you, real quick, on this mandate stuff. Uh, you know, Nancy, about what, a few dozen of uh, GOP House members walked from the House side to the Senate side last week when she said, essentially, yeah, we're going to have you good. arrested if you don't have a mask on. Uh, I'm, uh, two quick things. One, uh, uh, you know, what is your response to that mask mandate on your house aid? Number two, if she's willing and able to do this mask mandate for anybody, guests and staff uh, and members on the house side, uh, is a vax mandate next for everybody on the house well, side? Well, I'll, I'll, fight, I'll fight all that. I mean, look, it, it, freedom is greater than any of this stuff the Democrats are going to do, and that's what we got to remember. And we got we got to focus on that. But I, I wouldn't put it past him, like to try. I mean, remember, initially Fauci said no mask, then he said one mask, then he said no, you need to wear two masks, then he said no, back to one mask, back to zero mask, and now he's back to one mask again. So Dr. Fauci and these guys have been all over the map. They're the ones who always talk about science, but they don't follow the science. Uh, let, let's follow freedom. Let's follow individual liberty. Let's follow the Constitution, and let's remember the Constitution is not suspended, as the former Attorney General said, is not suspended during crisis. And I would argue that's when it's most important. So let's fight this. I don't think in the end, though, even though they're going to try it, I don't think in the end the American people are going to tolerate it. They're going to say, no, no more lockdowns, no more taking my small business from me, no more telling me what to do, and I'm certainly not going to have – look, if you want to get the vaccine, I'm all for it. The vaccine has been helpful to lots of people. Uh, I think it's a good, a darn good thing. But this is America, and you get to decide these kind of things, not some, not Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of liberals in the United States Congress. Well, Congressman, if I may be bold enough to make a suggestion, if you, since you're in D.C., if you want to avoid that mask mandate, mandate, maybe you ask Mayor Bowser to lunch. Apparently, you don't have to wear masks when you're around Mayor, Mayor Bowser. Just, or if you're getting a picture, Pelosi didn't wear one during a picture. I mean, it's just like. There's always a double standard. There's always oh, a double standard. The rules talking. are for thee, but they are not for me. That seems to be the uh, the leftist mantra. Congressman Jordan, thanks very much for the time. I appreciate it, sir. We'll talk All again. Right. You, you bet, Bob. Take care. 10.02. We're late to news, but that's okay. We don't have a guest waiting on the other side. We'll take your phone calls, though, coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Right in a cage. Despite all my rage, I am still just right in a cage. 